Welcome to Jay Madison's Rural America. It's a journey through the stories impacting rural economies and country lifestyles. Jay Madison's Rural America is also a production of Jefferson County Economic Development. Now here's Jay. Hey there, everybody. This is Jay Madison. Hope you're having a great day. Thank you for uh, tuning into the podcast. Been a little bit since we've been on. Uh, I've been very, very busy. And I don't have my co-host, the astounding Ron Robbins. I'll say that because he's probably going to be listening and going, well, Jay, how come you didn't invite me in this morning? So we'll make sure that he knows he's astounding. How you doing out there, Ron? I hope you're out planting corn in Florida. We'll get you back on the air here with us soon enough. But hey, I wanted to tell you, one of the reasons Ron's not on the air is because I wanted to take advantage of uh, the 2022 Ag Census uh, that was just released, I believe, last week by the United States Department of Agriculture. And uh, I brought in an expert, <laughs> uh, Mr. Mike Knuckles. He, he just gave me a very nasty look for calling him an expert. Um, but Mike is the, uh, he's the ag team leader and commercial horticultural educator over at Cornell Cooperative Extension of Jefferson County. How you doing, Mike? Good. Good morning, everyone. Good. And I'm going to have you pull that mic right up close to your mic uh, so that it doesn't uh, sound quite as hollow. How, hollow. Yeah, hollow. hollow. There we go. Uh, but anyways, good to have you on, sir. Good to be here. All right. So uh, with the Ag Census, it uh, just came out here last week. At least that's when Mike shared the data with me. And uh, pretty interesting. A lot of, a lot of pieces of information to glean from this and neither Mike nor I are are experts on why any of the data is the way it is. All we're doing doing is uh, reporting the data, giving a little bit of an informed opinion on some of this stuff. Uh, but uh, again, folks, we're not we don't claim to be experts as to why things are the way they are. So just to give you an idea of what uh, what we're reading here in the 2022 Ag Census, and, and just so that you know, the Ag Census comes out every five years. The last one was in 2017. Uh, this is 2022 data. Now, the interesting piece of this Ag Census is that it does cover the pandemic. So when you hear some of that data, uh, that Mike and I are going to share with you today. Uh, keep in mind that the pandemic happened during this census. The census is taking a snapshot, if you will, of the impact that the pandemic had on agriculture as well. So, you know, just keep that in mind. It's very important. So, anyways, uh, just uh, what, you know, a couple pieces of information, and then Mike and I will start uh, having a little chat about all of this. The 2022 Ag Census showed a decline in farm operations of every size category from the smallest to the largest. The number of U.S. farms fell below 2 million for the first time, down to 1.9 million farms. So let me say that again. The number of U.S. farms fell below 2 million for the first time, down to 1.9 million farms across the nation. 
the uh, the survey shows, and that total number is one hundred forty one thousand seven hundred thirty three farms. That's how many uh, it declined from two thousand seventeen to two thousand twenty two. So that's that's a pretty big number. When you look at larger farms with a thousand or more acres, the census shows thirteen thousand fewer farms than five years earlier. Uh, so it's it's. It's interesting to look at these numbers with the uh, when you take a look at the smallest number of farms, those with less than ten acres. Uh, we showed a drop. The ag census showed a drop of thirty-eight thousand seven hundred thirty-three farms. Even after the two thousand seventeen ag census had reported nearly fifty thousand more farms than two thousand twelve. So uh, that might not be clear if you look at. From 2012, the ag census in 2012, to the ag census in 2017, uh, there was a report of 50,000 more more smaller farm operations. But then from 2017 to 2022, there was a drop of 38,733 of those smallest farms, the ones less than 10 acres. So a lot of interesting uh, data right there, Mike, just to start off. Absolutely, yeah. The, many of these statistics, I, I can't say they shocked me, but the degree of change that we saw in the, between 2017 and 22 did shock me. So I, I expected some of the trends. I didn't expect the volume these trends to, to occur you know that what i had just talked about that increase from 2012 to 2017 uh of uh, what was it Fifty thousand more small farms mm-hmm. farms 10 acres or less now and and just you know some people out there might be saying well is it a real farm if it's only 10 acres uh, we have you know we have some examples here in jefferson county of folks that are using what maybe three acres four acres under greenhouse operations absolutely yeah direct to consumer firms especially and and those folks are you know they're not getting rich off of the income from that but they they are uh bringing in money and Mm -hmm. feeding a lot of people i I can think of one farm up in Cape Vincent in particular. Uh, she's, uh, and you know who I'm talking mm-hmm. about, you know, she's probably farming, what, two, three acres? Yeah, she, she has two, three acres of organic operation. And she's in the middle of Cape Vincent. If you've ever been, there's a bit of a food desert. There is a grocery store, really nice, uh, the French market there. Right. But they're small. And they have a lot of seasonal residents that flux in in the summertime, expand the population. So she serves a definite niche doing a CSA there. And she represents community-supported agriculture. Community-supported agriculture. Subscription agriculture. Yep. So she is providing fresh veggies to the community in what would otherwise be a long food chain to get things to this remote community. Right. At a time of year where there's a more population, and doing pretty well with yeah, it as th- a beginning farmer. I think at one point she told me she's she has 34 people, at least this was mm-hmm. uh, last summer, I believe it was, 34 people have subscribed to her CSA. They're, they pay her a certain amount of money. She gives them a certain amount of food every week. And she had 34 people 
So, I mean, that's that's it small by some standards, but that's mm-hmm. significant by other standards. But that would qualify in this USDA ag census data as a small farm operation. That's right. Small and beginning farm or two, under 10 years yeah. and under a certain dollar amount. So. Yeah. So, you know, it, it it's interesting that we saw that 50,000 increase across the nation uh, from 2012 to 2017. And then from 2017 to 2022, we lost 38,000 of those farms. Mm-hmm. So interesting. And farms in the middle, the middle income farms are what we saw disappear. So the 50 to 80 dairy cow farm, a lot of those fellows and gals retired, went out of business, and they didn't have heirs to succeed them, so the land got sold. In Jefferson County, we're seeing people like this farm in Cape Vincent buying these acreage. They're finding alternative uses for them, and they're starting new operations. My concern as a policy person, as an educator, is how do I help these young farmers that are selling 25,000, 30,000 gross proceeds sure. a year? Sure. How do you help them move ahead and to begin filling in this void that's beginning to emerge in these mid-sized farms? Um, and it's something that policymakers really are going to have to look at over the next couple of years, yeah. especially as our farm workforce, which the census shows is aging. Um, the average age has gone up significantly, and uh, we need these young folks to, to be there in 20, 30 years. So is it a crisis today? No, absolutely not. But could it be an issue in 10, 15, 20 years um, with increasing consolidation? Maybe. I mean, we having looked at the ag census for many, many years, I mean, I've I've probably been reviewing the ag census when it comes out for at least 30 years now. And the trend has been towards consolidation, decrease in total number of farms, and so on. Uh, but I did, like you're, like you're mentioning here, Mike, I did notice that, that significant decrease in the number of farms. Even here in Jefferson County, when you take a look at the dairy farm data, yes, I'm moving my sheets around because I have cheat sheets. I'll never remember off the yeah, top of Yeah, too much data to remember. Yes, way <laughs> too much data. Um, when you take a look at the number of dairy farms uh, here in Jefferson County, for example, uh, we, from 2017 to 2022, we lost half of our dairy farms. We went from, what was it, 144, I'm not seeing. 145 to 77. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I brought that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I had it someplace, but it wasn't on my cheat sheets. So 145 to 77 mm-hmm. in five years. And the interesting thing is the number of cows, it, the number of dairy cows did go down slightly, but not that much. Not that much. So what we're really seeing is the big firms getting Bigger, bigger, adding cattle, adding acreage. We saw the same thing with beef farms, which did surprise me because we have a lot of small and beginning beef farmers as well. But we're even seeing consolidation there. So the number of cows... That does surprise yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't pick up on that. So, uh, Yeah, so the statistics for beef cows, so this is Jefferson County, but yep. the, the national trend looks much the same. 
2017, we had 178 farms with beef cattle. That went to, down to 164. Uh, the number of beef cattle total, 4,231. Today is 3,733. Dairy cows, we also dropped a little bit, but not quite as much. Right. 27,982. And in 2022, the number of dairy cattle in Jefferson County dropped to 25,524. So again, we're seeing a loss of farms, but the total numbers of cows really aren't changing a lot. So we're seeing bigger, more yeah, we're efficient seeing that operations. Consolidation. And I think some of the drop in cow numbers is a result of number one, the the dairy farms as as technology and knowledge mm-hmm. improves, they're continuing to call out the uh, the, the the lesser producers in their herd. Um, and keeping the better producing cows so they're able to make the same amount of milk or more mm-hmm. with less cows. Yeah, the per cow efficiency has improved. Yeah. So the total milk production dollar value has gone up. And, of course, in- inflation. Yeah, inflation and it 2022 was. was a inflationary year after the, the pandemic. So we saw really high prices that year, too. Yeah. The the. The statistics do reflect that as you get into the, the USDA's data. Um, that has tapered off a little bit, but these, these farms were being more efficient, making more milk, and making more money for it. Um, but if you were not efficient, if you weren't really good at what you were doing, if you had uh, expensive overhead costs, you weren't able to make it. Right. And uh, especially if they're loan or other, loans or other things, over your head, it becomes very difficult. Yeah. So for small and beginning farmers to enter, to, to reach that size is tough. Existing farmers, older with existing infrastructure, they did fine, but they're yeah. leaving the industry. Yeah, I remember during the pandemic, during the worst of the pandemic, um, I was communicating with several local farmers. Uh, they they tended to be small to medium sized farms, and um, you know, older mm-hmm. farmers, you know, farmers that were in their 60s or 70s. And when things got really bad during the pandemic and there was a lot of uncertainty as to where prices were going to go mm-hmm. and, and farms were actually dumping milk and so on, um, those farms got out. They said, okay, right. I'm out. And labor, uh, uh, if yeah. you had to hire people during the pandemic, that was so that. it's tough now. Yeah. It's, so we did. So I can understand, you know, that significant reduction in farm numbers, dairy farm numbers. Uh, I can understand that to a degree because of the pandemic and what that did to those small to medium-sized dairies. Um, and then since then, inflation, I think, has had a big impact on the dairy farm operations. And, and I know we're focused on dairy farms at the moment. We'll, we'll get mm-hmm. to the others, but... Um, you know I love vegetables. Uh, yes, well, we're <laughs> heading there. And I saw some good news for Jefferson yes. County there. So, um, but, you know, I think, I think inflation, you know, the cost of doing business since the pandemic mm-hmm. and labor... And I think labor is going to, going to continue to be as bad, if not worse, as we move forward, uh, an issue for our farms to deal with. 
So I think those factors also had an impact on that significant drop in dairy farms here mm-hmm. in Jefferson County, and not just Jefferson County. I mean, it, Lewis County, St. Lawrence County. And, it's all over the states, yeah. even. So yeah. um, just a really eye-opening, and, and like you said, you said it well, Mike, um, it, it is something that the policymakers need to be very concerned about. Mm-hmm. Um, because we're talking about our food supply and where that's going to come from and how we're going to get it and the impact it has on local rural economies. Um, so it, it is this, these are details that we have to be paying attention to and not just putting them off. Right. In the pandemic, if it taught any, us anything is that food resiliency is really, really important. important. We saw shortages nationwide. Things weren't moving around. We need local foods. We need local yeah. agriculture. Yeah. And we can't lose these mid-sized firms. Yeah, and kudos to our county board of legislators mm-hmm. for the funding that they've given us to do small grants to help grow that local food industry to, it, yeah, to create great, that resiliency. Great model for the nation. Yeah, even. it's too bad that more don't do it yeah. because it, it's so important. And the pandemic certainly brought that to the surface. Mm-hmm. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit. Let's let's go over to um, you know local foods and uh, vegetables, crops, and so on. What did you see in the data, Mike, that stood out to you there? So the the census data confirmed a lot of things that I've been seeing in the field, and that is some of these small 80, 100-acre firms have been bought by new and beginning farmers. Right. So some of them, so we have two demographics that I, at Extension, routinely deal with. One are people like myself who are mid-aged, have accumulated enough income with a, a career, are able to buy a property and have a dream of farming. And... That is wonderful. We're seeing a lot of those businesses start up, and I'm, I'm glad that's happening. Um, my one concern is in 20 years, how long can you keep farming? And that's something when we, we talk to new and beginning farmers, we, we advise them to plan for continuity. Hopefully there's a, a, a youngster that's interested who would take over the farm when that couple or person gets in their 70s. But the real bright spot for me are people in their, in their 20s to include transitioning veterans who are buying farms, specifically here in Jefferson County, some of these mid-sized farms. And they're starting direct to consumer operations in many cases. Um, and the, the statistics are showing that. We're not seeing a drop-off in the number of these small and beginning farms. That includes urban agriculture as well. Statewide, urban agriculture is huge. And we're seeing a lot of folks doing 5,000 gross sales a year, $10,000 in gross sales on a quarter acre. Um, And they're doing this with veggies. And definitely in Jefferson County, we've seen that. We know that's happening. The question I have is how do we help those individuals in their 20s who – they have a side income. This is a side gig for now, but they want to become full-time farmers. How do we help them reach that goal of working on their farm full-time and, and, and filling back in that mid-sized farm that has kind of been caved out over the last 20, 30 years? Um, how do we we've replace these older farmers as they retire out? 
Now, Mike, while you've been talking, I've been looking for my one sheet that I really <laughs> wanted to to bring to your attention, and it was the uh, berry and uh, fruits and nuts, fruits and nuts production, because I thought that was a pretty significant uh, uh, improvement for for Jefferson mm -hmm. County in particular. And now I can't find my little cheat sheet amongst my fifty some odd pl uh, pieces of paper here. Um, but in Jefferson County, I was very impressed with the increase in the number of farms uh, over this past year, and I'm not finding it. Mike, do you have that in front I, of you? You know, I didn't chance? bring that statistic. I do remember it. I One that figure that sticks out in my mind because it kind of shocked me was we have 81 people growing apples in the county. Yeah. Which was, was yeah. amazing to hear that because I've – now, there, there's a caveat with that. The devil's always in the details, and yes. this is certainly the case, that the total acreage of apples for Jefferson County is one acre. So, <laughs> um, so it's people listing individual trees, and that's where we have to tease out kind of the hobby farmers looking for tax write-offs from the people that are truly beginning and want to become Well, one orchards. thing I've, I've learned over the years and maybe this isn't completely accurate, but I, be I believe it's pretty darn close, is the data, how do I say this without getting myself in significant trouble with the folks that put all this together? Um, the data is not always reflective of the reality on the ground. Yeah, they do the best they can. USDA oh, yeah, yeah. does a wonderful yep. job, but they're human. This yes. was in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. Um, surveys, they don't always catch these new and beginning farmers because they're not on their radar yet. Well, and it's it's not so much the data collectors as it is the data givers. Mm -hmm. And what yep. taught me that was our honey industry. Right, yeah. right. You know, Jefferson County from one, from one uh, census to the next, the and I forget what year it was, but at one census, we were the top honey-producing county in the state, by far. Mm -hmm. Significant honey production compared to the rest of the state. The next, you know, five years later, our honey production, we were down like number 23, number 24 in the state. And I'm like, what happened? And so I called one of our honey producers up and I said, hey, you know, what's what's going on? What happened to our our, our honey industry here, and he said, reporting. Yeah. Agritourism is a great example for Jefferson County. Yep. We have one major agritourist business that skews a lot of the data. Yeah. So it's really hard to glean the other great things that are happening in agritourism right now. Yeah. Um, even my farm, I was counted as a dairy farm because we had one milk cow that we sold oh, a calf from. And I had to call USDA and go, no, 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 because they then wanted me to begin Doing dairy reporting. I'm like, no. <laughs> I think, no, 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 no. Oh, man, I cannot find the exact data. I, I was so proud of this, and I thought I highlighted it in preparation for this, Mike. But, yeah, it, it's um, it, with the reporting of the data, sometimes the farms don't report, uh, you know, all the details. Right. Amish farmers are. Oh yeah. yeah, look at. We have a huge influx of Amish who are doing great things here in Jefferson County, uh, showing up at our local farmers markets and and planting acres of melons and things. They're not in these statistics. Um, yeah, 
but that's a really bright spot here in the county that I'm excited about personally. Yeah. Um, so so going back going back to the uh, fruits and nuts category, um, you know what I saw and, and I can't find it exactly, but what I saw there was a, a very significant increase from 2017 to 2022. In the number of farms, I think it was, I think it was like eighty six farms reporting uh, fruit or nut production, if mm-hmm. I remember correctly. Yeah, a lot of those are the apple growers, so people with a couple trees. Yeah. So that was eighty one of them, but wineries were also represented in that figure. Uh, we've got businesses like the we've got a local honeyberry grower that was represented. Yeah. Um, and we have a not some Amish will will participate in these surveys. And we do have some Amish doing strawberries, things like that. Um, we actually exported strawberries south a couple <laughs> years ago. I was really excited by that uh, because we've got people going into it. And as far as timing, our berries are ready later than the rest of the state. And it makes perfect sense for us to be exporting those and growing strawberries. Yeah, that. because we're, uh, you know, the... The low price of the berry influx across the mm-hmm. state has already happened. We, you know, our production comes in just past that peak price or peak right. low. People still want berries for the fourth. Uh, yes, they do. So and and, we, we've got them, and so we can, you know, we can grow berries and have them hit the market as the price is coming back up. Mm-hmm. You know, because the de- demand is still there, but supply has started to dwindle off. So. Um, you know, Mike, what else did you glean from this? Uh, you know, people talk about acreage and, and nationwide the the uh, the acreage of farmland is down significantly. That's going to happen. Um, what what did you glean from this? Yeah, some of the same trends with number of farms and acreage going down, consolidation with many of the farms getting bigger and some of the average dollar amounts for those large farms going up too. Um, That's a good sign for consumers because that means they're more efficient and they're able to produce more product. They're able to treat their staff in in ways that very small farms can. I I don't want to say better, but maybe they can offer a 401k or something like that. Yeah, Uh, benefits benefits to their... their, To to staff, and that's exciting to see. Um, That's... That promises more stability in agriculture in many ways. Um, and the very small farms are the, the flip side of that. We're seeing lots of small farms going into agriculture. Um, other industries that I, surprised me, aquaculture. We have one aquaculture person here in Jefferson County. You're making a face, and <laughs> I did too when I saw this. I want to know who they are. Yeah, who is this person? Because I am intrigued. I want to find out who's raising fish or mollusk or whatever they're doing Something. here in Jefferson County. Uh, but statewide, if you look at Long Island, for example, aquaculture is a big deal down there. Oh, huge. And it's a growing industry that's really exciting. Um, floriculture, greenhouses, nurseries are something that we're seeing increasing. Things grown under glass is increasing. And we're seeing that here locally. With Even here, yep. We've got a great company uh, doing small salad grains that is selling to Walmart and Wegmans and, 
And uh, if you had asked me 20 years ago, would I see that in this area for yeah. a dairy-centric area? Probably would have said no. No. I, but they've got a great business. Yep. They, these niche opportunities are where I see growth. Ethnic uh, markets as well. Some unusual things. Uh, for example, we've got a soybean. We have a lot of soybeans in Jefferson County. And we have a manufacturer here in New York State that's making soy sauce in New York State, selling to Asian food markets. Um, and it's their top seller if you go to New York City or Syracuse or to some of these larger Asian supermarkets. It's exciting to see that we're producing that product right here and not importing it from, and I, I'm not beating up on imports. I love Asian Oh, sure, sure. But, but it's nice to be able to yeah. buy a local product right. in this niche area. And we're seeing that with mushrooms, um, king, king oyster mushrooms. For yeah, I was going to say, why don't you tell our listeners about that? Because it, 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 I think it's really cool, and it's reflected in the data. Yeah, yeah. So mushroom cultivation is something that is growing tremendously. And it's driven by the in- increased diversity in the nation. Mm-hmm. We have more types of uh, people. people of every sort who want different things, and that opens up niches for farmers to take advantage of. And so if you really pay attention to what's being imported and where what chefs are looking for, what the consumer's looking for, there's some products that you can make pretty darn good money. Right? Yeah. And mushrooms are one of them. King oyster mushrooms, one of my favorites. If you've ever had them, when they cook up, they have a texture like scallops, and they are super delicious, easy to grow, uh, highly profitable. Do we and have somebody growing those here? No. We have oh, somebody wow. growing regular oysters okay. in, in Lewis County. We've got a grower doing that, but not king oysters. So I'm, I'm working with them. We're, <laughs> we're going there. I, I need some king oyster mushrooms. There you go. The inside uh, secret here, right. folks. We need a king oyster <laughs> mushroom grower. Just, just for me. Yeah. Just for and Mike. Other people just like Mike them. Knuckles. No, I'm, I'm betting there'd probably be a market yeah. out there. Uh, baby corn is another crazy example. Yeah. So yep. how many times do we see that imported from China? Yeah. We grow corn here just fine. Uh, we we could do it here. And that's, that's a niche product. So that's the, the data supports this concept of farmers going into these small niches and becoming profitable. As policy or educators, in my case, or policy makers, we, we need to look at these niche markets and how to support them. Sure. Urban, suburban, whatever the case may be. Sure. So uh, we need to start to sort of wrap up. And I can imagine that there are some of those policy listeners out there that are are saying, okay, well, Jay, Mike, you know, what do we do about this? What do we do about the loss of dairy farms? What do we do about the loss of farm acreage? Uh, Or how do we support Mm -hmm. those niche farms? Uh, that are coming in. And I'll start off by saying, well, you know, Mike and I already cited cited the example of the Jefferson County Board of Legislators. You know, last year and this year, they allocated, you know, a a fairly decent amount of money. Right now, it's a total of $1.1 million over the two years to do small grants for, you know, the food resiliency program, maintaining and growing our local food supply, direct-to-consumer food supply. 
Uh, very significant. We're the only state, i pretty sure, across New or the only county across New York State that has used the uh, American Recovery Act funds uh, in part to do this type of program. So I'm not aware of any other county yeah, that's not either. doing anything like that. So that's one example. And the, that was very significant. It's a very cool program. Any any other ideas of things that we should be doing, Mike, to Sure. Certainly real property taxes come into play. Um, zoning. So where you, a farmer is faced with increasing costs due to local development. Not as much an issue in Jefferson County, but you get down into the Hudson Valley. This Ooh. is a real concern yeah. down there. Um, you're you're almost forced to sell property. And I think some of the policymakers down there are dealing with that. But in our area, solar development is a concern. Um, Solar developers love these perfect prime farmlands. Farmlands, perfect for them. And they can outcompete the the value of the agricultural products that are sold from that property. So uh, if you're that landowner, that farmer that's sitting there saying, okay, I can make... Uh, $1,000 off the sale of products that I can grow from that land, or I can get $2,000 for leasing it to solar production, what makes more sense? Right, a guaranteed income. Yeah. 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 And farming is fickle year to year. You never know what the yeah. outcome's going to be. Yeah, you just don't know. So um, that competition from solar development is significant significant and i think we'll see that reflected in some of the it's probably reflected in some of this data already even though this is 2022 data and definitely it will come into play in 2027 uh the ag census that comes out in 2027 um so we're we're gonna see that impact from solar the, the other thing to mention is cottage food laws. So Vermont, for example, has pretty um, progressive cottage food laws that allow people to take their cucumbers, make pickles out of them, a value-added product. Um, we need to consider scale when looking at some of these value-added food businesses. Someone making pickles that's making, I don't know, $10,000 worth a year versus a manufacturer who's doing... $10 million a year, the standards and the risks associated with them aren't necessarily the same, but we often have the same set of laws applying to I was them. just going to ask, we're talking about having the same laws apply to the $10 million mm-hmm. manufacturer versus the $10,000 home processor. Right. And so that's something I think we could look at as a way to help some of these small processors. At our local farmer's market, there is a dearth of value-added products, pickles, kimchi, um, cheeses. We don't have artisan cheesemakers in New York like we probably should. We have a few. Yeah, we have a few. We have a few, but not nearly as many as this area could support. And it's because of the regulatory requirements for for value-added foods, a commercial kitchen, uh, FDA licensing for a cheesemaker, for example. Those are definite barriers to entry for anyone wanting to do what could be a very profitable business um, that could be a livelihood for somebody. So it's something I think policy needs to look at. 
Yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree. Well, Mike, we need to wrap up. We've been talking with Mike Knuckles. He is the ag team leader and commercial horticulture educator. Did I say that right? Yes, absolutely. All right, over at Cornell Cooperative Extension. If folks want to get in touch with you, Mike, what's the best way? Uh, The best way is to call our office uh, or or email me. So the office number is 315-788-8450. You can also email me, msn62 at cornell.edu. All right. Very good. Well, thank you very much for coming in this morning, sir. I think this was fun. I think there's a lot of information that we just shared. uh, So hopefully folks will listen and act. That would be really cool. And look at the data. And look at the data. Oh, you know what? We didn't say how to find the data. Um, If you just go online and you Google or do a search for 2022 Ag Census, it'll it'll pop up. It'll, it'll pop up. And, and USDA is releasing more stuff all the time. Yeah, there's all kinds of charts. Um, you don't have to sit there and read the whole book. There's there's different tabs where you can find out about dairy farms or you know fruit and nuts or whatever. So it's not like you got to read through the whole thing to glean out this information. There's different tables and they, they've got it set up very well to uh, peruse without getting over perused. So uh, anyways, thank you very much, Mike. Uh, Thanks, Jay. Folks, thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, make sure you come back to Jay Madison's Rural America. Thank you for tuning in to Jay Madison's Rural America. Make sure to join us weekly. If you have any questions about the show, call Jay at 315-782-5865. For more information, visit www.agricultureevents.com or jcida.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to Jay Madison's Rural America.